Thank you for your great grace, your tender loves, O Lord, this day. Jesus' great name. And everybody said, praise the Lord. All right, I'm turning to the book of Isaiah this morning. Isaiah chapter 9. Good to see each and every one of you. You're in the right place, and you're doing the right thing. Let your heart be open to the Lord this morning. Let his beautiful inspiration touch your your heart and mind. Isaiah chapter 9, I'm beginning with verse 1. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephalti, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Everybody said praise the Lord. Lord. I'd like to minister for a little while that in spite of the circumstances, the present circumstances, there is much cause for joy. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Much reason for joy, much reason for uh, worship and praise and happiness. Uh, It has been said that it's a lot on the easier side when the wind is to your back to rejoice and to be happy. as opposed to when the wind is in your face and you're feeling that headwind and that resistance to your forward motion. But um, Jesus has given us many reasons, and he is the cause of all the many reasons, why we can be happy in the midst of the storm and why we can be uh, optimistic when everything around you is presently testifying to a lot of pessimism. But um, notice he used the word nevertheless here in Isaiah 9 and 1, the very first word, nevertheless. That indicates to you in spite of everything that's coming in your face, he's saying in spite of that, nevertheless, he said we, we have cause to be happy here. We have cause to be joyful here and to serve the Lord with gladness. It is uh, 
not much of a test when everything's going right. It's not much of a test of your faith at all. But when you're, when you're finding that things are reversed and look like it's all coming at you and it's dark and it's gloomy uh, and you stand fast and you do not uh, depart with an evil heart of unbelief, shall we say. That's how it says it in the scripture. And that you don't fall from a place of steadfastness. Uh, that you demonstrate a solidness and a uh, dependability and a belief when the enemy has come up in your grill, just getting right in your face. That you won't uh, back down, you won't give up, you won't throw in the towel, and you will not compromise. You will not let go of the good things that God has given us. It is written... In uh, Isaiah also, 35 and 8, that we should pay attention to this highway of holiness, the book says. We should ask for that old path, where it is the good way, and we should walk therein. That we should not lose faith or confidence in the things of God and the workings of God and the presence of the Lord just because Things that, well, not for any reason that I can think of, really, or anybody else can think of, but particularly this morning uh, because of hard time, uh, because iniquity abounds. The Bible did say where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. And that God is able to give His church strength and victory and encouragement. And uh, in, in other words, the enemy is surrounding. He's trying to come in on at any place he can, but the writer said, nevertheless, nevertheless, in spite of, and he named it, he said the dimness, that, that the lights begin to glow down, so to speak, and uh, he went on to say that the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, in the hard time, in the vexation. You read about Lot, no doubt, how that his righteous soul, now he made a wrong decision. He went in the wrong direction. He envisioned something that was absolutely a mirage. You know, there are um, accounts, certifiable accounts of people who thought they were seeing something good out in the distance. But the tremendous uh, trial of their moment that they possibly brought on upon themselves, whether through ignorance or stubbornness, uh, my wife told me the other day, she said, you're so stubborn. And I said, no, it's, it's confidence. <laughs> she didn't agree with me about that, but uh, and we always have this funny little thing about the pinky bet, you know. That's about the only bet we'll do. It's a little pinky bet. And um, we were riding down the road, and I'd put a chair on top of a chair, and I thought I wedged it down there pretty good, and I was driving extra slow. So I was actually doing the speed limit, <laughs> or maybe less which is definitely different. And uh, next thing I knew, whoop, that chair went flying, friend. And uh, to her credit, she didn't say, I told you so. <laughs> I don't think I gave her a chance. I got back in the car after putting the pieces back in the truck, and I, I said, oh, you won that one. You're right. <laughs> she said, well, that's about a first if I'm right. 
But uh, anyway, um, my confidence was not exactly based on something solid, was it? But I am glad that my confidence in God is based on something solid, on something that that's when it really counts. And uh, we don't want to bank things that are important. We don't want to bank things that are important on things that really are not worthy of our confidence. We want to put our faith and our trust and our hope and our belief in the Lord and in what He gave birth to. Now these people in this particular land, in this particular location, these people found themselves in a very dim place, even to the point, in an afflicted situation, in a vexation. And uh, when they even said at the first, it was a light affliction. It was kind of a little slap on the wrist type thing. I think I told you about the policeman that at the mall I was going around the perimeter and, and I kind of did a California roll at that stop sign. Nobody was around, I thought. And I, in other words, there was no potential for accident, I thought. So I kind of moved on and right over on the side of the parking lot was, oh, Mr. the Frenchman said, quasi sa. <laughs> and uh, I looked up and he was looking right at me and I, I gave him a look like, whoops, I did it. I know I did it. And he kind of waved me over. So I pulled over and I put the window down. I pulled up next to him and and he, I, I said, he said, you, uh, you kind of went through that stop sign. I said, yes, sir, I did. And uh, he said, well, he said, put your hand out there. <laughs> I did. He, he slapped his hand like he was slapping mine. And, and he said, go on. And I, I went, thankfully went. And uh, well, sometimes you get a little slap on the wrist, you know. Sometimes that happens. And it, uh, and it should give us pause. It should um, help us, of course, to learn a lesson. Unfortunately, we usually just figure with, got away with it that time, you know, and we unfortunately probably try it again, maybe with a little different twist to it. Uh, and usually in the back of our minds is, I won't get caught. But you know, there's always old Mr. Kwasi saw somewhere around, uh, behind a bush or behind another vehicle or behind something, or maybe sitting right out in the, in the plain open and our minds are so taken with whatever it is we're doing that uh, we just don't see the obvious, do we? Well, these folks were right out in the middle of the whole thing, and, and it got dim, and it was a light affliction. It wasn't anything too bad, but it didn't stop there. Afterward, did more grievously afflict. So you've got to pretty much figure that I'm telling you that the old devil, he knows how to play you along. And, uh, but he's setting you up for the big one. He's setting you up for the big one. And that's all that he really has in mind, is to take people to where they can never escape again. Now, Jesus is offering a way of escape here and now. And he's trying to get you to look down the road a little bit. He's trying to get you to think beyond this life, beyond this world, beyond your immediate desires, and what you're willing to set so many things aside. So many things on the back burner. And uh, to be so positive in your ways that uh, you can find yourself ignoring the signals of God. You can find yourself uh, missing the overtures of the Lord as He tries in one place. He said, all day long, stretched out figuratively my arms to you. All day long. And yet I'm not getting any response, not getting the, the genuine 
sincere response here that I'm looking for, and that's going to be to your benefit. So I want you to understand that Jesus made it clear there's going to come a time of tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world. There is going to come a temptation upon the whole world, the book said. And there is promise, and that's what I want you to realize. But in the midst of judgment, and judgment is coming, the Bible teaches that the heavens are going to roll together like a scroll, and that the stars are going to fall, and every star up there is much bigger than planet Earth, and they're going to fall from the heavens. Every island is going to be moved out of its place. Every mountain, you hear me? is going to be shaken and moved. And yet the Bible teaches that in this time of wrath, in this time of destruction, that there is a promise and a certainty of the Lord's deliverance. Every time the church in in the Old Testament, the people, they messed up. And in their mess up, they would, a certain amount of time would go by. And then they'd like the little piggy, they would cry, wee, 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 all the way home. They'd begin to cry unto the Lord. They'd begin to pray. They'd begin to remember the Lord. And, you know, God was so gracious that time after time, again, He would send a deliverer. He would send somebody. He would raise somebody. And that means He had that person in preparing for a lengthy period of time. And at just that exact moment, God's always on time. He's never late. And He would send that deliverance to them. And pull them out once again out of the fire. He would bring them out of the the misery and the affliction that they found themselves and their children found themselves in. And now I'm telling you, we as as a nation here in America, as a part of an overall planet Earth and nations, then you better know that there's a darkness coming. You better know that there's going to be what the uh, people in the weather business would call even an Indian summer, that, you know, one minute it's, it's freezing cold and, and you're, you're bundling up all you can and you come out the next day and you don't even need a sweater. It, it becomes uh, what they call an Indian summer. Uh, all of a sudden this freakish little warm thing blows in and you know the devil's going to do that. He plays all that cat and mouse stuff and he knows how to turn up the heat and then he knows how to turn it right back down and put you at ease and make you feel. You ever read that in the Bible? Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. People get at ease and they feel like everything's all right. I got away with that one and it'll all be okay. But that is not what the grace of God is telling you. That the goodness of God's grace is leading you to repentance. He's trying to get through to you with a space for repentance between these mountains that you find yourself or these deserts that you find yourself or these places of dimness and then a grievous affliction, a light to a grievous. In between these lulls, if you please, the Holy Ghost is trying to reach to you and get a hold of your mind and your thinking. Don't wait until you're going down for the third time, so to speak. Don't wait until you have a feeling in your mind that all hope is lost. Don't wait until the enemy has you in such a corner that he's able to choke the life out of you while you're alive, while you have an opportunity. Nevertheless, in spite of how bad it looks right now, 
I'm telling you that God is saying, I will help you. I will. I have sent the deliverance. It's not I'm going to send it. I have sent it. It's here. It's right in your face. It's right now. You have an opportunity. Make the most of it. Make the most of it. Make the most of it. The Lord will send the deliverance. He can take care of the gloom. And he can fix it so there won't be any more anguish. He can help you in your, in your trying moment, in your difficult moment. And you can find then that the trying and the difficulty that you go through, if you will, it, it really boils down to becoming obedient, becoming obedient, to submitting, to humbling down, to stop looking in wrong directions and desiring wrong things. And... Uh, to find a contentment, I was uh, discussing a case with another ministry type person and I said, this person that is in my mind, I said, and that we're praying for, their ability to be content lasts about that long, right there. That would even be too long, probably. It's just such a sourness and such a, an attitude that comes forth that nothing's ever good enough. If you can learn to entertain godliness and hook that up with contentment, the Bible said it's great gain. And that for a person to learn, to learn that, that what God is putting in my life, I can be content with that. If I can just have the things that matter, the things that are important, if I can see and embrace it. Now the scripture teaches that in the midst of what God was saying here of this light affliction, and then it became more grievous, and the burden became heavier, the burden became more difficult, and then you have many examples, but Moses came into such a situation after 40 years in the desert, and God trained him and teaching him, and timing and sends him back, and here comes Moses, and what takes place is they're all under a big load, and then Moses shows up and begins to tell them, come on, we're going we're gonna to go and we're going to leave here. This is the promise that God has given after 430 years. Now we're going out of here. And, and God has sent me as the deliverer. And, and uh, they hesitated and they balked and they, they said, I don't know. And then some rallied and said, let's go. And, and then the next thing you know, Pharaoh's all aware of it and he's mad, the old devil. And so he makes, he turns the heat up hotter. He makes their task more difficult. And then the people begin to say, see what happened? We started doing right and it only got worse. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, when you start living for God, it probably will get worse to begin with because that devil don't want you going. He doesn't want to lose his grip. He don't want you to quit being an adulterer. He doesn't want you to quit being a gambler. He doesn't want you to quit the drugs and the alcohol. He don't want you to straighten up and live right. He doesn't want you going to heaven. He wants to take you to hell. And you've got to wake up and realize that God is worth fighting for. Worth fighting for. I won't say it may cost you family and friends. I'm telling you it will cost you family and friends. It was so-called friends. It past associates. And that word past needs to be capitalized, italicized, highlighted, and underlined and put in quotes. 
past because you leave the past behind and you're heading towards your future. You've got a future now. Something you can be excited about. Something you can be happy about. That you've got your head lifted up. You're not in depression anymore. You've got your hands lifted up. You're not in subjection and defeat anymore. You're going in the right direction. You're looking in the right direction. And your steps are backing up what you're saying and thinking. Oh yeah. Woo! Come on now. Hello. Thank you, Jesus. Talk about joy and excitement. Said the people that walked in darkness. It's not easy to walk in darkness. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. This isn't just any light. This is a great light. That adjective is there for a reason. It, it's to boost up light. I'm going to tell you what, it's not just a light, it's a great light. The writer called it a marvelous light. We're coming into his marvelous light. And for you to realize that in the midst of your darkness, that there is light, that there is hope. Nevertheless, in spite of everything else that's testifying against you, when even your own conscience is testifying, you know you did it wrong. You know you thought wrong. You know you followed that wrong. You know, you know, you know. And it pounds away at you, even with all of that going on, and rightly so, that you can begin to realize that there's light. There's hope here that I, I, I have turned my back on. I have closed my eyes to it. I did shut my ears up to it. I did, even as they did in that day, run against the preacher. And begin to gnaw on him. You ever read that in your Bible? Oh yeah, boy, some people can really... A mother told me, or a grandmother told me yesterday at the yard sale. Everybody said yard sale. Good. We had a good yard sale. $750. Thank you, Jesus. Give God a big hand. Thank God. And that, that certainly was with some help from our concession stand. But uh, grandmother told me about the little girl that uh, one of the sisters was holding there. And uh, she said, you got to watch her. said, she will bite. Said she don't know what she's doing, but she got two teeth in there, and uh, and so I'm saying to you that you know there are things that uh, have more bite to it than you might realize, and uh, but you got to wake up to what's going on around you and and what the reality of situations are, and that you have an enemy. You have a, an enemy that wants to drag you in the wrong direction. He wants to inflame your flesh, and that flesh in, in it dwells no good thing. And it desires the wrong thing. It's, it's a prone to go in the wrong direction. Like water, it flows downhill, the path of least resistance. This, friend, is a battle. This is you've got to gird up the loins of your mind. And you've got to get yourself with some power and strength and determination that you're going to live for God. That you're going to do what's right. That you're going, look, if you turned your back on God, well, you can do it. turn around again and turn your back on the devil. And get things going in the right direction. The devil is not a guy with a pitchfork and a ponytail. It is, I'm telling you, it's all the things that vex you. All the things that try to get between you and God. All the things that get you going in the wrong direction and bring about the wrong results in your life. He uses all kinds of inventions. And he's not done inventing. Right to the end, he'll be inventing. You know, the devil knows he's lost. But he lies. He lies. And he wants to convince you that he's telling the truth. He wants to convince you to follow him. And you've been doing it since you were born. When you didn't know any better. 
But now you're getting a little older, and it's time for you to know better. And that's my job is to educate you to the reality here of God's deliverance. That he, just like them, they went through a battle. They had to stand up against the enemy, against Pharaoh, a type of the devil, and Egypt, the world, and they had to stand and go against all of that and, and cut a path through the desert and say, we're going to worship God. In spite of what you say, in spite of what you do, we're going to worship God. I had to call a very religious guy in this town one day, and not too long ago, and it was a Friday night, and um, I, I needed him to do something. He had a certain profession in this town, a business, and I wanted something. And I, when I called him forward, I said, you know, I said, the sound you hear behind me is our young people. And I said, we're having youth service. And I knew that he was preparing for the football game. I knew that he had a bank of televisions ready. He was going to watch everyone, you know. And then he was going to go down to some. And I knew his mind where it was at, Mr. Religion himself. Mr. I got it going on. And I was just pouring it on. Oh, you are young people. You hear them singing back there? You hear the music going on? They're worshiping God. We're going to have church here on a Friday night. We're going to worship God. We're not going your way. We're going God's way. We're going God's way. We're going to worship him because we're going towards the light. The light. Some people's idea of a, of a, of a Friday night and a youth night is, is to go to the movies. That's their idea. Go to the movies. And take them to see and, and visualize. Get all that going into their brain. All of the lust. The lewdness, the lasciviousness, the porn. Pour that into their hearts. I can't think of one good reason to do that. You know? Pour in all the violence, whether in cartoon form or a more mature format. But just get it, let Hollywood just put it all in there. And let that be your youth night. And then wonder, wonder why they do the things that they do and go the places that they go and then wind up in the wrong place here in this world, and most especially, it will be in the world to come where there will be no escape, friend. Hate to tell you this, but there ain't going to be no parole from hell. You hear me? It's you're there, you're there. And you don't have to be there. It wasn't even created for you. It was created for the devil and his fallen angels that said to God. They just thumbed their nose at God and said, we don't want what you got for us. We're going to show you something better. Well, they hadn't shown anything better. All they ever created is something worse. You want better, you get with God. Book of Hebrews, key word is better. It's a better hope, a better resurrection. Everything is better. Everything with God is better. Everything with God is better. Amen. Yes, sir, you asked for that path. You asked for that path. Is there going to be any difficulty? Yep. you going to be any trial? Yes. Going to be any tribulation? Uh-huh. Going to be those things. But in all of that, he's saying, what you go through, you be prepared to see the great light. You be prepared because it's going to be there. I'm giving you my promise. Giving you my pledge. Giving you my word and the, my, the word of my oath. And to the point that that means that it's an end to all strife. All debate should stop because you know that God's promises can be counted on. God's promises can be counted on. And there's a whole slew. Uh, that's a good Louisiana word, right? There's a whole slew of God's promises in here. 
that he promised never to leave nor forsake. You know, we don't have a problem I, I, uh, because when God says something, that's it. It's, it's forever settled. It's an amen. So be it. We don't have any problem really with God uh, keeping his promise of I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I think the problem is on our side. We have a tendency to try to, well, how did they do it in Paul's time on the ship, which, you know, more or less a type of the church, and uh, the storm hit, the dimness, if light affliction, then it got worse. They hadn't seen the sun or the moon, stars in many a day, all hope that they should be saved was taken away. They were in bad shape. But the, but the apostle, he, he went in and found himself a place to pray, and prayed a hole in the sky, and uh, next thing you know, he comes out of there and tells them, everything's going to be fine. It, we're all going to make it. All 276 souls of us are going to make it. If you stay with the church, if you stay with the ship, we're going to make it. And sure enough, here goes a couple guys sidling over to the side. Now we got a storm on, okay, and they're in a big boat. And they're going over to the side. They go over the side of the boat. And Paul's looking at them, and they're like, we ain't doing nothing. We, we, no, we ain't doing nothing. Mm. I think they had the Marvin look down pat. <laughs> and uh, next thing you know, you're looking, oh, where'd they go? Where, where'd they go? They're not there. They're not there at prayer meeting. They're not there at man up. They're not there at Sunday school. They're not there at Sunday night. They're not there on Wednesday night. My goodness, every time you turn around, you can't, they're not there. Where are they? Well, the Bible said under color or under pretense. And then that's when the excuses come. Well, I, you know, I was just checking the, the beans in the kitchen. That's what one woman said. Her and her husband were sitting there and the preacher said, Sister so-and-so, where were you? You missed Sunday school. She said, well, I had to stay home and check on the beans on the, on the stove. And when the preacher went, he went, uh-huh, and he went on by. And the husband looked at her and said, what kind of excuse is that? (laughs) And she said, just as good as any other. (laughs) In other words, there is no good excuse. We don't have one. (laughs) So uh, maybe she ascribed, if you're going to tell a lie, tell a big one. (laughs) Tell an obvious one, you know. Oh, friend, because, you know, we have a tendency to to want what we want so strongly that we'll, uh, we'll believe a lie. And the book said, and be damned. And that's the part you better think about. You better think about that. Because there are eternal consequences to him with whom we should have to do. We need to realize that, that God's word is forever settled in heaven. And that there, there is right and there is wrong. And there is, there is light and there is darkness. And God is looking at people that are sitting, that's what Isaiah said, sitting in darkness. And he's saying, I'm bringing great light. I'm bringing great light. I want you to see that light, envision that light, grasp that light, embrace that light, if you please. Welcome that light. And let's get up and get out of the mess that we're in. Let's get moving forward in the right direction. I knew a... a, um, Several cases, one of them was a, a, young, a preacher's son. And uh, he, you know, people think that they're, they can kind of skirt the edge. But sometimes skirting the edge is where the ice is the thinnest. 
and, you, and things have a tendency to give out from underneath you, and you find yourself in over your head. And you think, well, at the edge, it, you know, it won't be too deep. Well, sometimes that old mud can get a hold of you and take you down too. And, um, and this, he, had a, he rented a, a storage place in a big complex, and he kept his equipment in there. He had, he had a front-end loader and things like that, a box blade, different, different types of equipment. And he, he did a, an honest trade. He did a good, he was good at what he did, and it's landscaping type thing and things of that nature, construction. And, and um, first news you know, he got approached by one of his friends. Wanted to know if he could just keep a few things there. You know, we'll just put it in there, and then, you know, we'll come, we'll get it, and it'll be gone, you know. And it became more frequent. And what they were putting there was drugs. And so <clears throat> where do you think and who do you think they went to, the federal government, when they, the FBI, when they realized that there were drugs there, when they discovered that, because they were, had their sting going on, as they should. And so they got him. And he said, that's not mine. He said, is that your storage? Yep. Is that in your name? Yep. But that's not yours. Nope. I just let them put there. So they said, well, you know what? We're going to give you five years with no gain time. Federal time. You will get no gain time. You will serve five full years. But if you tell us who it is, they said, okay, then we'll, we'll get you a much lighter, less sentence. <laughs> he said, and if I tell you who it is, he said, I'll be dead. I'll be dead. So he, he being the, being a part, had one time being a part of us. And having turned his back on us and finding himself in this predicament, it's like I said about an individual that got invited to church here recently. I said, oh, she knows exactly what it takes. She full well knows what is expected of her. And when she gets tired of the fake and the phony and the plastic and the put on and no amount of anything this world just can't cover it up and do it anymore for you, then, then hopefully she will have an opportunity to turn right and do right and get back to what she needs to get back to before it's too late. And um, that's what this young man, knowing, he knew. And so he got down on his knees and he started praying. He said, God, he said, if you'll keep me these five years in this jail, he said, when I get out of here, he said, I will live for you. I will live for you. And you know, God kept him. God kept his side of it. And to my knowledge, and this has been 10 to 12 years ago, this young man has continued, he's not so young anymore, has continued to live for God. He lost everything that, he, that was left behind when he went in that jail and they shut that door for five years. And he got in there, friend, and he, got, he just, every day he would pray. Yeah, oh boy, no problem about praying then. No problem about reading his Bible then. No problem about worshiping God then. And you know, when there was some in there that were starting to look at him, you know, and he said, God, he said, if you'll keep them off of me, he said, I'm telling you, I'll live for you. I saw a young man at a conference one time. He couldn't sit still. He shouted up and down, up and down. Everybody else was sitting and listening. To the pre- he was shouting up and down, up and down. And in most cases, that would be a little bit out of, out of uh, order. But, you know, the, the story was that he was the young man, another young man that had said that to God. He saw them looking at him, and he said, God, if you'll keep them off of me, he said, I'll shout for you. Well, God kept him off him, and he got out, friend. He's been shouting ever since. Friend, I'm telling you what. He had a lot to shout about. He had a lot to shout about. Amen. If you, 
if, if what you are facing and what's coming down the pike could, could become so crystal clear to you, you, you'd make a bargain with God in a heartbeat. You'd say, God, make me stand. Don't let me fall. Keep me from thinking crazy. Think me. I'm, I'm asking you to help me to stand here. And you know what the Bible said? God is able to make the weak stand. God can take the weak at heart. God can make you stand. God can pump iron and strengthen you. That you can't find any gym anywhere. You need a gym. You need to come to church. You need to worship God. You need to shout and praise Him and thank Him. Amen. Amen. And amen. And amen. And amen. I'm going to tell you what. Like the, like the new guy that came in the church and he was just trying to witness to everybody. And uh, he didn't, he didn't know, he didn't go to a dojo. He didn't know, he didn't know any karate or any jujitsu or any submission holds or anything like that. But now he knew God. And he had that word of God in his hand and in his heart. And he'd been witnessing and telling everybody. Well, not everybody likes that. The devil sure don't like it. And the devil gets in people. You ever read where Jesus uh, was right in one place? And, and uh, a man, the Bible said, a man with a devil roared up and said, You come to torment us before our time? I know who you are, you holy one of God. Well... Karate wouldn't have done any good. Jiu-Jitsu, and there is no natural submission hold that will work. No matter how skilled you are, there is none. But friend, Jesus showed him the power that works. Jesus casted that devil out, and they moved on and had church. Well, this man I'm telling you about, he was, he was just standing there. And this guy is screaming at him and yelling at him and cussing at him and using the foulest language and threatening him in every way. And he just stood there and all of a sudden he sees this man just stop dead. He stopped yelling. He stopped screaming. He, and he turned and he ran away as fast as he could. And the man just, oh, okay, good. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Turn back around when he did. God let him see that big angel that was standing behind him with that drawn sword. And he said, oh, I know why that guy ran away. He just saw what God let me see. You better realize that after that you receive the Holy Ghost. You receive power. It's not for you to flex a muscle. What a waste. What a vanity. Oh, no. It's not for you to think, oh, I know all these great holes. Because that devil don't respect any of that. You hear me? What the devil respects is a Holy Ghost man or woman coming down the road, friend, and he starts shaking and he starts quivering because he knows that you can cast him out. He knows that you have all power over the power of the enemy. He knows that if you're in balance and you're in subjection to God, he knows that you're surrounded by the army of the Lord. It's not for you to be proud about. It's not for you to be puffed up about. Even Jesus in the days of his flesh, he said, don't believe me for what I'm doing, but believe me because of my Father that's in me. The Spirit of the living God is what it's all about. Never to be about us. Always to be about Him. They sat in darkness. 
They sat in depression. They sat in gloom. They sat in misery. One thing after another was against them. And the vexation didn't get less. It got greater. It got more grievous. But the Bible teaches, as, as it does teach from cover to cover, that the Lord God is a God of mercy. And you better be glad for this time in which you live because mercy, mercy still has the upper hand. Mercy is still reigning in this earth. And, and you have this time because I'm telling you, there's a time of judgment coming and there will be no mercy, the book said. Mercy, I don't think she's going back behind the veil, but she sure ain't going to be out running loose anymore either. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, that veil of the temple that separated the most holy place from the holy place, that veil was cut in half. And that signified that the mercy of God was out and running loose. That signified that no longer was it going to be one man that would go in and give an account for everybody. But from now on, everybody could have this experience. That salvation, as the Jewish found out, wasn't just for the Jewish. It was to them first, but not to stay just with them. That it was not going to be monopolized, but that it was going to reach to all nations. Every race, every language, every people, everywhere. And so it was, and so it is. And the, the light, the church is depicted as a woman that's clothed with the sun, and the moon is under her feet. The moon is the lesser light, that's the law, but the sun is the greater light, that's grace. That's the church age, that's the time in which we live. There's a great light to get you out of your place of darkness, to bring you out of your depression to bring you out of your low spots, to bring you out of your doom and your gloom and your pessimism and your false hopes. And, oh, I'm just hoping that our team goes undefeated. Well, you're hoping in something that's totally filled with vanity. You better get something that's more solid, something that's real, something that's not going to be letting you down. And at the end of the road, there's not going to be nothing there, I'm telling you. Somebody said they were looking for the, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but when they got there, the pot was just filled with IOUs. I'm trying to tell you, you can get bitterly disappointed in this life, and the devil makes mirages, and you can follow the mirage until you die, and you, and you die of heat and thirst and everything else and lack of direction. When all the while the light is there and the hope is there. His name is Jesus Christ. He wants to give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yes, he does. You know, the, <clears throat> the deception and the disappointment rolled together in a mirage is that the more you think you're seeing it, and the more you think you're drawing close to it, the further it recedes from you, and the less you're grasping anything. You're not getting anything. It's like having a great dream. My wife got so upset with me one time. Well, one time among many. <laughs> I'm always doing it wrong. But uh, she was, uh, I woke up, <clears throat> it must have been three in the morning, and uh, the headboard, uh, I don't know what it had on the back, but, but something, oh, be quiet. It had something, and it, she was, on her knees, going up that headboard, and just, and I woke up to all this noise, and I looked, and I said, honey, what are you doing? She goes, oh, you woke me up. I was just about to get the treasure. <laughs> well, I'm sure you've had dreams, and you've awakened to them, only to feel very frustrated, and uh, 
Boy, I'm going to get it now, aren't I? <laughs> no more lasagna for me. <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry, I'm reaching for illustrations here to get to you. But, uh, but you know, that the Bible did talk about a person that would dream and then wake up from it, and it's just a dream. It's just a dream. And people very often are living some type of dreamlike existence. Some type of dreamlike existence. And when they wake up, when they wake up, hopefully it'll be in time to wake up and to do the right thing to get a reality, the best reality in life that is offered to any of us is Jesus Christ. The price is not too much to pay in comparison. I'll tell you, the short-term gain that the devil sells people on is not worth the long-term loss. And you're going to get all these little things that you think are so great, these little mirages, and you keep reaching for them, and you never do quite get there. Because every time you think you get there, it's not enough. Got to have a little bit more. I told you about the man that was fantastically wealthy, and uh, in his mansion... Um, I read about a guy the other day that has, has a house built 90,000 square feet. I think he probably needs a GPS to find his bedroom. And uh, 90,000 square feet. And I'm saying to you that, that people, they, they build their dreams and they try to do these things that they think they want. But this guy had something of, on that order and fantastic wealth and, of this world. And uh, when his big business partners or contemporaries would come to his house for dinner and maybe a business dinner at that. Um, and this was, I admittedly, before the days of cell phones. That, and if you have any of those on, turn them off right now. Thank you, while I'm thinking of it. But um, they would come to have dinner, and if they needed to make a phone call, they would be directed to the pay phone in the room where he installed a pay phone. Sometimes you find out that what you get just isn't enough. I need just a little bit more. And that's exactly what he said when he was asked, how much is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. There's such a dissatisfaction, which is the opposite of content or contentment. I tell you, the Holy Ghost will absolutely fill the empty places in your life. The Holy Ghost will give you happiness to the Bible called it joy that can't be spoken enough, in, in, in a good enough way, with enough adjectives. Just can't quite frame it, you know. And uh, no wonder that we, that God designed it, that he would speak through us in another language, as his spirit gave the utterance, so that the right words would be spoken and it would be properly uh, bragged on and blessed. So, because we fall so short you know, they do claim in, in, in our average um, vocabulary is maybe around 10,000 words. That's not very much, especially if most of them are three and four letter words. It's not really a whole lot. But uh, we, we would fall short. But you know what? If we will just try to explain to people how happy we are. I had somebody tell me just this morning on the way to the radio station, uh, the person, I said, hey, how are you doing? They said, better than most. Said, how are you doing? I said, better than that. <laughs> better than that. I got the Holy Ghost, friend. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't trying to outdo anybody. 
I was in a place where my wife wrote me into. I went to a sign place to get a sign for the church and called Fast Signs. And um, next to it was a place called, well, was it Tuesday Now or something? I don't know. Tuesday Now, whatever that means. And, uh, or Tuesday morning. Maybe it's Tuesday morning. That's what it was, Tuesday morning. All I know is Tuesday morning is good because it's not Monday morning. <laughs> Gives you 24 hours to get righted. <laughs> so uh, she said, can I go in there? I said, have at it. Have yourself a big old time. I'm going right in that sign place. So we parted ways, and, and uh, first, as you know, she's on the phone and wanted me to come over there. So I said, okay, I'm done here. I'll come over there. So I go over there, and it's, of course, deep discount place. And they did have a lot, a lot of neat things in there that we could get for the church. And so we were potting around in there, and um, we finally got to the guy at the counter. And, and um, he, he's telling some lady, he said, you need to, um, you need to uh, get this flyer uh, today to tell you about the upcoming sales that are going to be taking place because he said, we don't, we don't advertise on the television. And... Uh, and, and uh, he, he said something about that a couple of times, and I, I spoke up, and I, he said, we're, we're, we don't have anything to do with the television. And I said, well, neither do I. <laughs> and so he didn't say nothing, and we just went on, and finally he rung us up and gave him the bill and gave me the bill, and he said, by the way, he said, who are you that you don't have anything to do with television? What do you mean? And I said, I'm baptized in Jesus' name, and I've got the Holy Ghost. And he went, oh, <laughs> and that was that. I think that must have answered the question for him. Trying to tell you I've got something better. Trying to tell you that there's something, I don't want to be programmed by them. I don't want, I wouldn't want anybody's child to be programmed by them. I don't want the perversion that they're writing into scripts and putting on screen to go into that child's heart. And you know 90-something percent of what you think comes from what you see. You hear me? And everybody said amen. amen. Now, if you see three of me up here, I'm going to send you to Janelle and the doctor to get your eyes checked. There's only one of me up here. There's only one God. Don't start thinking there's three or five or ten. There's only one. You hear me? Get it checked. Get your spirit checked. Get your belief system checked. Get in the Word of God and say, yes, I've been sitting in a mud puddle, but you don't have to stay in that mud puddle. God's promising you deliverance. Promising you hope. And there's no price that you are required to pay that is too steep. You hear me? It's a privilege to live for God. What a privilege. Such a privilege to live for God. And to have the opportunity to make heaven your home in the final analysis. It's a whole lot better than, you know, everybody that goes to heaven, they're not going to want to get out. And everybody that goes to hell is going to want to get out. And the whole problem is with that hell place is there ain't no getting out. There is none. There is none. So I, I would tell you, while there's breath in your body, there's hope for you. And I would tell you that, as it said over and over in the Word of God, to turn unto Him. That's your repentance. Make a turn unto Him. And quit saying, I just need just a little more time out here. I, I want a little more time. And not realizing that you're in the storm. It might be a dimness right now, but that, that vexation is going to get worse. That darkness is going to get greater. The people, it is depicted in the New Testament that 
when Jesus came down through the middle of the city on a donkey, a lowly beast, as it was foretold that he would come, that he would come meek and he would come lowly. He could have come as he told one ruler. He said, I can call right now and I can have legions of angels here. He said, but if I do that, then I'm copping out. The scriptures aren't going to get fulfilled and you're going to be lost. He said, so I've got to, I've got to go forward here. I've got to man up. I've got to go forward. And, and so he did. And I am telling you that when he came, he was the light that absolutely people were screaming and hollering. And it wasn't because somebody was carrying a pig to cross a line somewhere or drop one through a net somewhere or hit one over a fence somewhere. It was because he was the great light, the marvelous light. And they begin to scream and cry, save us, save us. We know we're in a mess. And this is our moment to be truthful about it. We're, we're getting mature enough and, and ha- getting enough about us in our thinking that, that we're acknowledging, we're, we're coughing it up, we're telling the truth, we're lost and we need to be saved. Save us. Save us. Save us from our, our deep depressions. Save us from our afflictions. Save us from our... One woman came here the other night, or day, was it? Saturday, Sunday morning, maybe? And she said, I just got out of the hospital. She said, I want you to, to pray for me. I want you to anoint a cloth and pray for me. To, to realize that there are many things that you can be afflicted with. Many things that can, can tie up your life and put misery into them. Put you in a place of darkness and depression, loneliness, disappointment, and totally dissatisfied. And all the while, I'm telling you, if you will look in the right direction here, that great light, not just a little light. You know, they talk about the light at the end of the tunnel, friend. We're now we're near the, the end of the tunnel. We're... We're, at the, we're in the end of the end of the last days here. And the light isn't less. The light is greater. And it, it's brighter. And it's more glorious. And it should be more appealing to you. And you should be more honest about what's happening all over the world. And that you know. You know what you need to do. And you need to do it. While you have the opportunity to do it. Let's stand together. And let's, let's get a hold of this great promise of deliverance. That it's not something to come, it's something that's here. This is, today is the day of salvation, meaning you're living in the time of God's salvation that's still being offered. You have that right now. You can have it. We will, after you repent, we will baptize you in water in the name of Jesus Christ. I had a a young lady at the Rock Church East Yesterday, we were doing a bunch of things and getting ready for service at 2.30 today. And uh, all of a sudden, this car whipped in and came around, and a little red car. And I went out, and a person jumped out, threw her arms out, and said, You probably don't remember me. And I said, Well, I guess I should be <laughs> remembering you evidently with this kind of greeting. So um, anyway, wound up, she said, my, my 64-year-old grandmother said that she wants to come here and be baptized. And I said, that's marvelous. Bring it on. So she's supposed to come today at 2.30. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God. Thank God. And she said, we've always been connected 
with what's Pentecostal. Now, I like Pentecostal because that puts you to Acts chapter 2 where the day of Pentecost, they receive the Holy Ghost. And that's the experience of receiving the Holy Ghost. But don't forget the other side of that is apostolic, and that's the doctrine. Pentecost, if you're not careful, a lot of people have watered that down. And, you know, but they've tried to water down apostolic too, you know. And uh, sometimes neither one of them know what they're talking about. But you know what? We are the true church. And by the grace of God, we have this truth. We stand in this great grace. And we are apostolic Pentecostal. And I've, we not only have the experience, but we have the rock to stand on and keep us rooted and grounded and settled and balanced and solid. You know, we're not chasing pipe dreams and we're not drifting out into places of mirage and we're not living delusions or being uh, taken in by illusions, but that we have something solid. You know, you want to teach what's solid, what's balanced. Uh, I don't. There's some crazy, I've heard people say, oh, they got ray guns and they can, they can bring up an earthquake anytime they want. You know what, whether they can or whether they can't, I really don't care. All I care is I know that Jesus Christ is God. And I know Acts 2.38, I go to the radio every Sunday morning and there'll be a Spanish group going out of there. And, and I tell them, Hechos, Capitulo 2, Verticulo 38. And they laugh and they smile and they shake my hand and they go out the door. You know? And uh, as I tell the guy at the, at the microphone, uh, you got a lot to answer for, pal, because you sit here and it's going right into the back of your head, you know, and it's just being preached the truth, and you will give an account for that. And I want you to be able to be with the Lord when he judges this world. I don't want you to be on the other side hearing the judgment. And you have an opportunity. See this great light. The church is shining brightly. To bring you the truth. Let's lift our hearts with our hands and let's love him. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Holy God. I worship you. Holy God.